This is Johnny Silva. I'm the pastor at Dilly First United Methodist Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I do appreciate being a teacher, but for those of you who have teachers or no teachers, you may or may not have this thought. It's hard to be a teacher. (laughs) And I mean that in the most sincere ways because at times it seems to be a thankless, maybe underappreciated, maybe definitely underappreciated profession. Now, students and parents, they might never truly or really understand what goes into or the behind the scenes preparation for what they experience in class. They probably don't understand everything that it takes, the time, the effort to to pull off what they experience in class. Now, likewise, as a parent, not the easiest job either, and you don't get paid for it, so there's that too. But it can be difficult to be a parent. And again, I'm not sure that kids completely understand or even appreciate what goes behind the scenes, how we provide for them. And then what takes place so that they can get what they want, what they need, and then generally do things that other people just wouldn't do, but we kind of have to because we're their parents. Now, I say all of this because it can be very hard to be a teacher. It can be very hard to be a parent. Now, that's the hard part. But sometimes, it's the littlest things. It's the littlest things that give us the biggest impact in our lives. And I absolutely love to see in class when the light bulb goes off. When I'm teaching stoichiometry or I'm teaching solutions or uh, solubility or things like that that people, nobody really wants to do, but they, but they get it. And when you see that light go off, it's like, oh man, you get it, this is awesome. This is what I do this for. And you see them get so excited about, man, I can't believe I get this now. This is awesome. And then they get so excited that they start teaching others and helping others understand. And then so then they become a teacher in the process. Now that is something to be appreciative of, to see that. And that is what kind of keeps you going. And then to add to that, so there was this uh, student who he's a smart student, but he's lazy. I know you don't know anybody like that, so I'll try to just imagine if you will. So smart person, but lazy. And you have to push him a little bit. You have to push him a lot. And then it got time for this is gonna be the uh, progress reports. So then they start to think about, oh, I might wanna do my work now. And a lab, for, for those of you who it's been a little while since you've been in chemistry, labs are worth 40% of your grade, tests are worth 40% of your grade, and then the daily work is worth 20%. So if you're missing a lab, which this person was, it made a 40-point difference. So he turned it in yesterday, and I helped him do that. Now, he had all this time to do it, but it was only then that he was like, I need to do this. I'm like, yeah, you do. So I helped him, and then afterwards, did I get a thank you? Actually, yes, I did. 
you know, and I know that's that's not something you normally get. He goes, I, I know you didn't have to do that, but I appreciate that you did that. I get it now. I understand it. And I appreciate what you did. And I'm like, whoa, okay. So those little things, those little things, they go a long way. Now with parents, as parents, it is tough. But again, it's those little things. Like we, we're not asking for a lot, but it's those little things that go such a long way. So when I come in from a long day at work and I come in and then Knox just runs to me and gives me the biggest hug and says, I love you, daddy. I'm like, I mean, I, I, I'll give you whatever you want. You know, do, do you want chips? Do you want this? Like, and Laura's like, no, 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 no. We're about to eat. I was like, but what do you want? You know, and so I get in trouble sometimes for that. But all he has to do is say, I love you, daddy, and give me a hug. And I'm like, I'll give you anything you want. You know, that sort of stuff. But this is why I do these things. I mean, I'm a teacher. And these little small things help me keep on going. As a parent, it's these little small things that help me to go a long way. Now, I know that that is something you might be able to relate with, but let's admit it. It's not the easiest thing to be a Christian. It's really not. And so it's not easy to follow what Christ has done. Christ has set this, this really high bar, and we're supposed to follow, and we're supposed to do as Jesus did. We're not supposed to just love one another as we would have them love us. That's the golden rule. But the other one is the platinum rule. Love as God in heaven has loved you. That's a little bit harder. But I say all of that because it's definitely not convenient all the time for us to be a Christian. In fact, sometimes it's downright inconvenient and it does take a part of us. It does take some sacrifice. I understand that. But in comparison, in comparison to what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it pales in comparison. What is asked of us and what is done for us, it just is so unequal. And since this is Maundy Thursday, I wanted to make sure that we truly understand and that we can actually appreciate exactly what Jesus did for his disciples and for us on that last night that he was with his disciples and on that very night that he was betrayed. So today we continue with the book of Matthew. Last week we talked a little bit about um, what we know very well as the Lord's Prayer and then we connected it to the triumphant entry, what we celebrated for Palm Sunday. And now we connect it a little bit further. So that was in 21, connecting a little bit further in chapter 26 of Matthew. Now, there was a connection. So at the beginning, when I talked about the, the, the prayer that we know oh so well, that Lord's Prayer, that was taught at the beginning of God's, or at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, and then the triumphant entry was considered to be the beginning of the end for Jesus' earthly ministry. But it was connected, and it was the lens by which and through which they were able to see that this was the long-awaited Messiah and things were about to change. So that was a the connection there. 
But then it continues a little bit further because as you know, on Palm Sunday, there was a large amount of people and they were all so excited to see Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And then the last day, the last evening that Jesus is with his disciples. And so in the chapter 26, we find this connection between the amount of people around Jesus as it dwindles down a little bit more as Jesus gets closer to the cross and what he must do. So it begins like this. While they were eating, now this might seem very, very familiar because we do this every once in a while, but it says something like this. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread and after blessing it, he broke it gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you, well, it says poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This part might seem a little unfamiliar. I tell you, I will never again drink from this fruit of the, of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they, sang, when they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, we don't normally talk about that last part, but that, that first part sounds very familiar because we say those words over blessing the elements so they can become the body and blood of Jesus Christ for us. Now that's familiar. And like I said, that last part is maybe not so familiar. But again, this sets up everything. And if you think about it, this is where all 12 disciples were there. All 12 disciples were around the table and they were conversing. They were having a good time. And in the back of Jesus's mind, he knew this was the last time that he, this would ever happen. And there was a little bit of sorrow in there. There was a little bit of uh, pain in there because everybody else was having a good time and he couldn't really have a good time because he knew what was waiting for him, for him on the other side of the night. And so he continues on in Matthew saying this, Then Jesus said to them, you will all become deserters because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. So here is a, a tension here. This is where Jesus is trying to say, I know what's going to happen. And I'm just trying to prepare you for this. This is what's going to happen. You're going to desert me. They're like, no, why would I ever do that? And he's like, 
I've been trying to tell you all this time. And to me, I, I see that in my mind. It's like, why do you not get this? You know, I've, we've been going over this for many weeks and you still don't get it. Like, I, why, it just perplexes me sometimes. And maybe that's what Jesus is thinking too. Like, I, you've been with me for three years. I've been saying the same thing over and over and over. You've seen me do miracles. You've seen me heal people. You've seen all of this. And if you've been listening to me, I've been telling you that this day was going to come for such a long time. And then it goes from the 12. And then it gets a little bit smaller. And this last part here. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. So he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and began to grieve and to get, began to be grieved and agitated. Now, again, it's like this. I know what's happening I already told you what's going to happen. And it's just grieving me to my soul that I need you and you're not doing what I'm asking you to. I'm not asking much. And here's what he asks. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. That's all he's asking. He knows what he has to do, but all he's asking is for them to stay awake and pray with him. That's it. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, just as he thought. But he found them sleeping, and he said to, to Peter, So, could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he didn't even try to, to get up, upset at them at all. He's like, oh, okay, he's going to leave again. So he leaves again and he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. He's not very happy at this point. Can you understand why? Put yourself in a teacher's role. You're doing everything that you can. All of this prep work, all of the behind the scenes, and all you're asking is just pay attention. Just pay attention. Stay awake. I mean, literally, I say that all the time. Stay awake. Put your phone away. Pay attention. And, you know, I, I see that. I see that. And then as a parent, you're like, I'm not asking much. I'm not even asking for you to get a job and pay rent. I'm just asking you to clean your room. 
Is that too much to ask? You know, so I see that. I, I feel like I can at least get a glimpse of that. And maybe you can too. But Jesus is doing so much more than we ever could. And he's not asking that much of them. He's just saying, please, please stay awake. Please stay awake with me. This is really, really difficult. This is the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in my life. And I need you. And all I need from you is to stay awake, to pay attention, to pray. That's all I'm asking. And so why is it? Why is it that it's so difficult to do what Jesus asks of us? And it's not even that much. Think about what Jesus did for us. And that's why we remember what he did for us on Monday, Thursday, but every single time that we celebrate communion, we think about what Jesus did for us, how much it took for him to break his body, how much it took for him to pour and to shed his blood for us so that we might live. And all he's asking is for us to stay awake, to pay attention, to pray. But even more than that, even more than that, he wants us to follow him. And it's a little bit easier whenever we are in the throngs of people and everything is great and we're celebrating Jesus. And that's when Easter is the best. And even Palm Sunday is the best. But it's what happens in between that is a difficult part. It's what happens in between that is not very convenient and very difficult. It's going to take something from us. Something that we have to give. But in comparison to what is given for us, to us, it pales in comparison. And so here we are. We remember what Jesus did for us. And we try our best. But can we stay awake? Can we pray? Can we follow Jesus all the way to the cross? Because let me tell you this. It starts with that bigger group of people. And it gets down to 12. And it gets down to his very best friends. The people that he knows that he can count on. The people that were telling him, there's no way I'm ever going to deny you or desert you. That might be them, but that's not me. Peter was emphatic. I would never do that. And you know as well as I do that what happens on Friday, the wee hours of Thursday into Friday, he, oh yeah, he does that. Before the sun comes up on Friday, he has denied Jesus three times. His very best friend, the one that he says, um, there's no way that I'm going to desert you. Everybody else might desert you, but not me. I'm never going to do that. Yeah, he did. And we might make all types of promises like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to recommit my, myself to you. I, I'm going to um, step in line with you. I'm going to follow you all the way to the cross and everything's going to be great. And I promise I'm going to do it this time. And then we don't. Now, all that is to say that Jesus has done so much for us, that God has done so much for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What's being asked of us is to respond with our lives. Respond in such a way that we are centered on Jesus, that we are following Jesus, even when it hurts, even when it gets hard, and if for no other reason. Let us remember what Jesus has done for us. It's not easy. 
It's not convenient. But this will allow Jesus to direct our lives, to change our lives, so that we can be better, so that we can be more like him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There's a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please share this message with friends and family to help us spread the gospel message. And thanks again for joining us on Dilly First United Methodist Church podcast. Blessings.